Hey, hello, I'm Tommy Chong. If you want something really nice in your laboratory, buy Durachill. I'm telling you, if you're not using this Durachill, you're not really in the pot business. You're just on the fringe of it. So if you really want to get serious, man, this is what you need. You need a Durachill in your life. You've got the technology here to have the cleanest, purest, healthiest product. I'm impressed. You want me to sell this? Buy it. Try Durachill or else. If your chiller's down, you ain't making money. And you heard it from me, Tommy Chong. Brought to you by PolyScience. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Cannabis Tech Talks brought to you by PolyScience. Uh, you are chopping it up with Chuck. I'm the editor-in-chief with Cannabis and Tech Today. And we have, as we always do every week, we have a heck of a guest for you. We have Jeffrey Finkel. He is the CEO of the ArcView Group. And we are going to talk about what's going on with the ArcView Group, uh, obviously investing. And we're just really excited to have you here. So, uh, so welcome, Jeffrey. Thank you, Charles. I, I like that. Chopping it up with Charles. Yeah. Chopping it up with Chuck. Now we've got other podcasts oh, over here. Chopping up with Chuck. That's yeah, kind of like, you know, it just kind of rolls. It's kind of like Java with Jeff. Right. See, and we've got other podcasts over here that those, those hosts haven't come up with a cool little tagline like it. So I feel like I have an unfair advantage, but yes, we are definitely chopping it up. And I'm so excited to have you here because um, as, as far as I'm concerned, ArcView has always been kind of one of the mainstays and leaders when it comes to the cannabis business, uh, investing, you know, kind of technology and stuff like that. So I'm just really excited to have you here. Uh, we actually went went to an ArcView event a few years ago and did a cover shoot with, uh, with Troy and Steve. And, you know, so we've, we've been kind of telling our readers about what's going on uh, with the ArcView group for a while. So yeah, we're excited to find out and, uh, you know, see what's going on because you guys are doing some new stuff, aren't you? Yeah, we've evolved, you know, as has the industry and, you know, our members and your listeners, it's, uh, it's been, been quite a ride. Yeah. I mean, we are a resourceful group though. You've got to admit, you know, if, if anybody's going to be able to pivot, you know, and change and grow through these times, the cannabis industry seems, you know, well-equipped for that. For sure. So uh, do you mind telling the audience just a, a little bit about your background, kind of how, how yeah. you got started and, uh, and, and got into the industry? Uh, I'm sure they would love to hear that. Sure. So by way of background, I actually started my career as an operating executive in the software industry. Actually, prior to that, as an entrepreneur in the software industry, way back in the late 80s in Boston, where I was from, uh, I had started a company that was really a storage, a software storage management company. We were archiving storage data on large digital disks, the precursor to CD-ROMs. And I operated that business for seven years. Uh, through a series of acquisitions, I ended up at uh, Cheyenne Software, which is a fast-growing network backup company, and then eventually Computer Associates, which is a $5 billion software company. And all along the way, in the role of either um, head of product management, head of corporate M&A, corporate marketing, and at one point, um, general manager of an operating division. Um, in 1999... Wow, that ages me. I got recruited out to start- Y2K. A, yeah, right, yeah. Right. 
But I got recruited out to start a venture capital fund in New York. Um, really, at the time, New York was not necessarily a venture capital destination. It was really Boston and Silicon Valley. So New York was sort of emerging in sort of the age of Web 1.0. Um, and it was called Odeon Capital Partners. It was a $115 million seed and early growth fund. And we operated that for 10 years as venture funds typically have a 10-year life. At the end of that, I started a startup consulting business and I got involved in a new style of venture fund, which is a member managed venture fund with a group in New York called Angel Round Capital. I eventually became uh, the treasurer of their executive committee and the chairman of the evaluation committee. And it's really that structure. Yeah that I kind of took to ArcView and setting up initially ArcView Ventures. So just in summary, I guess my background is sort of a mix between an operating executive and a professional venture investor. And what's a, and just, you know, for in, in layman's terms, what's a venture fund? Yeah. So a venture fund, you know, uh, is really the way I guess you think about it is an early stage, early to growth stage collection of capital that uh-huh. invests in privately held companies that is driven by its general partner and a management company that its general partner may hire. It puts money out into companies. These are not liquid companies because they're not publicly traded. And it's incumbent upon the general partner or the managers to help grow those companies such that they exit and upon exit, the proceeds go back to the investors in that fund. Ah, okay. It, it, it's similar to a private equity fund, although a private equity fund is investing much later uh, in, the, in the stage of the company uh, and using debt as leverage and some other sort of unique characteristics. But venture is typically on the earlier side of that sort of stage continuum. Wow. And where did you go to college? I went to a small liberal arts school in New Hampshire called New England College, um, where um, you know, I was a delinquent. I drank a lot of beer and played lacrosse and um, did all kinds of things that dumb 20-year-olds do. Uh, later in my career, though, I did do some uh, a number of executive programs at UPenn, Columbia, and NYU, all around M&A, uh, financial statement analysis, and, and sort of marketing strategy. Wow. That's fun stuff. Uh, and so when did you get involved with, uh, well, when did you, when did cannabis become on your radar? So in 2017, okay, I was seeing, this was sort of a little bit before AI, um, you know, and uh, virtual reality and sort of the emerging tech sectors, certainly crypto was around, but it wasn't really what it was. And I was really looking for another sector with which to apply the craft of investing. Um, And I, because a friend of mine was in this business and introduced me to what was going on in cannabis. And I I really was blown blown away. Uh, You know, I thought there was a lot to exploit in that gray area between state legalization and federal illegality understanding that traditional institutional capital had not yet come into the space, I thought it would be a good place uh, to, to sort of do something. So, you know, I went on my learning, I found some initial partners, put the fund together. And then over time, uh, that fund, I sort of brought over to the ArcView group 
and merged and, and created uh, Arcview Ventures as sort of the umbrella for principal investing at Arcview. But you know, it's, it wasn't it wasn't from I I then understood the importance of the plant, and I then understood the the medicinal and wellness value. Yeah. But I can't say that that was my connect point. It was really more of looking for economic opportunity. Then I quickly got educated on the wellness factor and the social mission. Yeah. Sold. Yeah. It's like the trifecta. Boom, boom, boom. That's right. But, you know, I don't want to I don't want to convey, you know, you ask that question. A lot of people will talk about a friend or a family member mm-hmm. you know, experience a health issue and how it provided relief. That wasn't my case. Um, but I was sort of thrilled to understand that attribute. Yeah. Well, it's just such a, it, it, it seems to me like, and you're right, you know, from 2017 to here, there's been a lot of areas of, of incredible growth and new things popping up in technology and stuff like that. So, I mean, you're right. This, this looks like we're sitting on the biggest no-brainer in the history of no-brainers for a lot of different reasons. Is it, I mean, is this probably one of the most unique uh, areas to invest in out of all all the things going on just because it's cannabis? I would say this and, you know, crypto and NFTs. I mean, and they're, but they're very different. Mm-hmm. Just to give you an example, when I was investing in 1999 in the infrastructure of the web, Web 1.0, right? We were laying the pipes for applications that would run on the web, digital, digital media, um, SaaS applications. We were laying the pipes for those kinds of things uh, no market existed, right? And then in Web 2.0 in 2006, 7, and 8, you know, with the emergence of Twitter and, and Tumblr and Facebook and sort of all the Web 2.0 where, where the, the, the community was publishing on the web, it wasn't one-sided. Mm-hmm. Those applications didn't exist either, right? So it was all pioneer work. The interesting thing about the cannabis industry is that demand exists, so right, pick a number. Let's say the North American cannabis opportunity is seventy-five million billion dollars. That will transition to a legal from an illicit business over time. You pick it: six, seven, twelve, fifteen more years. It will. Yeah. Transition. But the point is, demand exists. It just bought mm-hmm. illegally on the street corner. So the so the the play is to play the transition that did not exist when I was investing in the web. And quite frankly, it doesn't necessarily exist for NFTs and crypto either. Yeah. God, they've been on a on a little bit of a roller coaster right now. It's like, hey, they're great. Ooh, they're bad. Hey, they're great. Ooh, they're bad. And it's still early, right? It's still early. But look, in the cannabis industry, the publics are down, what, 90% from their high? I mean, so we, we've experienced our own volatility, at least in the value of the public holdings, not necessarily within the growth and acceptance uh, in each state and new states coming online. Um, we haven't had as much volatility, but certainly the perception of the public markets have similar volatility. Yeah, and 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 we're gonna we're gonna dive into you know what's going on uh, at Arcview and what you guys are doing. But I just want to ask you a couple more questions about investing. Is um, you know there's global instability right now. Um, that obviously affects markets and things like that, right? So with cannabis, you've got, of course, you know, there's instability around that when it comes to, uh, you know, when will it legalize? When will it be decriminalized? You know, when will they have access to banking? Those are all really big things. But then you've got the stuff that happens in the world that affects 
all businesses and all markets. You know, we've got supply chain issues. Uh, there's, you know, some in, instability, uh, you know, conflicts and stuff like that. So it, it really does uh, make you wonder, you know, how stable is the cannabis market when considering investment opportunities? So I would say that, you know, COVID, which was another big external notion, sure. Sure. was good to cannabis largely. Um, more time to consume product, more stress, more wellness issues, more depression, um, which, you know, sort of facilitates growth. I, I don't believe that the current crisis is going to hurt sales month to month in states where it's legal. Um, certainly, there will be some supply chain stuff that's sort of legacy from COVID that's just getting itself back together. And we could see that certainly depending on how this particular military conflict escalates. Um, but I do think, you know, public markets, sure, it's going to keep it down. I think mm -hmm. just, just overall risk posture about being in public equities. So there'll be some residual effect, but I think in the fundamentals of the business, I don't think it's going to be um, significant. Uh, will you know, sort of support in Congress and the Senate uh, be focused on other things. Yes, uh, I wasn't sort of counting on legalization in the next two to three years, maybe in that third year or fourth year. And that might get pushed out depending yeah. on how this escalates. Day to day, the fundamentals, I don't think are going to be dramatically affected. Yeah. I mean, it's obviously, it's poised, it's ready, it's going on a global scale. Uh, it's just a matter of priorities here. And, you know, a lot of times year three or year four of an administration, things that were put on the back burner, you know, like you said, they end up not getting done. And, sure. you know, so it, it'll be interesting to see. I think it is cool, though, that you're starting to see uh, bipartisan support for this, you know, it's not just one side taking and running this because we know that doesn't work in the current state of politics. So it is, I think, kind of refreshing to see different uh, approaches to this from the Republican and the Democratic side. So who knows, maybe maybe that's a, a sign of good things to come. Sure. And, you know, quite frankly, all Democrats don't support. Yeah, 100 percent. Right? So it's, it's it's not solely a partisan issue. Right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, we're going to take a quick break right now. Uh, and uh, that's how we that's how we pay our bills around here and keep the lights on. But we'll be right back after this. We have Jeffrey Finkel. We're going to talk about the ArcView group, uh, some new things that are happening over there. Really, really fascinating, uh, fascinating topic of conversation. So we'll be right back after this break. Every cultivator knows that facility design can make or break your grow. So why not choose the team with over 15 years of experience in the industry? Cerna Cultivation Technologies provides floor plan and architectural services, comprehensive HVACD equipment, lighting and benching, and so much more, all within your budget. It's time to grow your way. Go to Cerna.com, that's S-U-R-N-A.com to learn more. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Cannabis Tech Talks. You are chopping it up with Chuck. We are presented by PolyScience, and we are chatting with Jeffrey Finkel, the CEO of the ArcView Group. And uh, I would love to know now what is going on with the ArcView Group. You guys are making moves. Uh, you guys uh, are, are doing some new things. Tell our, tell our audience about that. Well, we've evolved um, mm -hmm. quite a bit. 
you know, I would say today, the way to think about the Arctic Group is that we are an event management and financial services firm that leverages our thought leadership, um, you know, through digital and in-person programs um, to facilitate growth in the psychedelics, cannabis, and industrial health industries. I'd add to that that we're committed to the social mission, the regulatory evolution, and the economic growth of those, uh, all of those industries, which in our view are all codependent. Um, that's kind of who we are. Um, how do we do that? So sort of what are the sort of pieces that make up the ArcView group now? Yeah, tell us. So, you know, we have our lineage in being an event producer. You know, if you sort of think of ArcView from 2012 to 2019, we were essentially two things. We were an investor network. People paid a fee to see companies pitch and then hopefully place capital in those companies. And we're an event producer that produced four large thought leadership events a year and sold sponsorship. So from a revenue perspective, we had membership income, uh -huh. we had sponsorship income. And that's good. But given that in that period of time, some $300 million found its way to over 250 companies, Arcview didn't participate in those transactions and the financial growth of the industry. So our impact was always disproportionate uh, to how we benefited economically. So in 2019, uh, uh, um, a group, uh, Entourage Effect Capital, who's one of the leading growth capital investors in cannabis, mm -hmm. came in and took governance control of ArcView and said, how do we leverage this great brand that's had this amazing impact that has created so much wealth? How do we, how do we reposition to be part of that? And so the notion was, is to, I don't want to say pivot, that yeah. would be unfair, but to extend to financial services. So what we did, this isn't in necessarily in order, is we created three subsidiaries. We created ArcView Capital, which is a FINRA licensed registered broker dealer, mm -hmm. provides investment banking services to the industry and is soon launching their crowdfunding offering. That's wow. part of the regulated business. ArcView Ventures, which is our principal investing arm, it's the operator of the ArcView Collective Fund, which we were just talking about. It's unique. The ArcView Collective Fund is a member-managed venture fund. Remember before I told you that venture funds are run by their general partner and a management company, which is usually the general partner, but yes. some, a few different personnel. This is run by its limited partners. So we have 78 active limited partners. We call them members. Uh, it's all committed capital in our treasury. So it's not like a loose network where a company presents. We say, Charles, are you in? You say, nah, I've changed my mind. Jeff, are you in? Yeah, but I'm only going to do 25K, not 50. It's not a pass the hat network. It's committed capital. But all of the members vote on how the fund is run and in which companies the fund invests they make the decisions. So that's how it's unique. So we've leveraged 78 intelligent active investors that all come from financial services, cannabis operations, and some who are functional business experts in HR and market research and so forth to aggregate collective uh, comprehensive due diligence and uh, lend their Rolodexes in support of those companies' growth. Um, so that's the second part. So we have mm -hmm. ArcView Capital, ArcView Ventures. And by the way, I would point out that in ArcView Ventures, that's just our first vehicle. We are creating a seed fund 
with Entourage Effect as our partner to pursue seed and early growth opportunities in cannabis, industrial hemp, and psychedelics. Oh, wow. So that's the second leg. The third leg is Arcview Management Consultant. So we were doing some bespoke consulting work inside of Arcview. We had some interest. We found a senior guy from ENY that had big four consulting experience and he had an investor group. We said, let's spin this out, run this separately, distribute equity to those investors and those operators and try to grow a consulting business. And that business is doing very well. So those are the three legs of the stool. However, just recently, we announced a fourth leg of the stool, which I'm super, super excited about. Um, You know, operating these three subsidiaries, we still had our event and sponsorship business sitting in our holding company. Yeah, I mean, your legacy was events. Legacy. And I felt that it it was stagnating there and it wasn't sort of free to scale and be unlocked. So I was looking for partners. So we entered into a joint venture with a group called McVeigh Global Meeting and Events. They're a private equity funded third party event producer. So they do that on contract for large pharma companies, CPG companies, the airline industries. They put together both for-profit events, meaning events where they sell sponsorship and then internal events for the employees of those companies. But they do this in their sleep. They're very creative about venue, about menu planning, about location, how to sell sponsorships, how to create great experiences. So we decided that it made a lot of sense to spin out that business in a JV with McVeigh. We call it ArcView Events and Experiences, where our contribution to the JV is to consult on content and what we should be focused on. And theirs is to be the managing partner, operate it and execute. So we're really excited about that. We just closed that deal at the beginning of February. We've transferred some of our employees that were on that side of our business into the JV. And they have a, a, a senior executive from McVeigh that's sort of serving as GM of that group. Um, and we're, we're now, so they're producing our digital content. You know, we've been producing yeah. about six webinars a month. They're producing that. You just had one the other day. Yes, that's right. Um, we just did the uh, MCBA and we did the Mexico town hall and we did a, a vape report um, webinar. And, you know, so we have a big schedule. They're running that and we're preparing our in-person strategy, which will result in, you know, uh, three to five events this year and then more in 2023. Really excited about it. the team is amazing. I, I cannot believe how culturally compatible we are. So it's great to work with them. And um, I, I do want to point out one other thing. In yeah, addition yeah. to that JV producing ArcView branded events, that JV is also going to be a third-party service provider to companies in cannabis, industrial hemp, and uh, psychedelics. Meaning, if anybody, I'll say this to us, if anybody, any company wants to do an event but doesn't have the personnel internally to manage it and do it and do it right and do it at scale, We have the capability of doing that domestically and internationally and help you create a great experience uh, as they've done, as this team has done, you know, for many, many years in other industries. Um, And I think that because we're ArcView, because we have a a very large database, that we can be a value-added producer there. So 
That's a big part of it, the plan going forward. So are these events, are these all in person or can these also be, uh, you know, online events as well? They're, they're both, but, okay. you know, obviously an in-person event has more logistics and more things that can go wrong. Yeah. It to be planned and probably necessitates, if you, if you don't have the personnel in-house to do that, it necessitates a third-party provider. Yeah, I'm a big fan of if you're going to do something new, get experts. Yeah. I mean, you can learn it and you can do it and you can have your team do it, but it's probably going to be a lot of heavy lifting and a lot of work. And, you know, I, I, I really like the idea of the, the pick an area, get somebody who's really good at it and pay professionals to do it. Yeah. And, and because the fact that they have pricing power, uh, they can get things cheaper than somebody would be able to do on their own, whether it's venue, hotels or yeah. catering. So at the end of the day, um, you know, there, there's a, you know, there's some economic offset. To the cost. So what? Um, so what? What is you know right now? I mean, this is great. You guys have these four areas. You are uh, uh, you know focused and dedicated and ready. And uh, you've got entourage. You know uh, that's uh, that's Cody Sanchez, right? Cody is a venture partner there okay. now, but uh, it's uh, Matt Hawkins, Bill Zapiro, Andy Sterner, Tiffany Liff. Um, they're the drivers. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. I know I've seen her speak uh, before. Uh, I've seen her speak at a lot of places, but so what is the, what is the appetite right now? Uh, as far as, you know, we already kind of briefly touched on the fact that there's external factors affecting the industry. Uh, you know, currently right now, uh, the price of cannabis in some markets is low, which is, you know, causing some issues, but what's the, what's kind of, where is the money flowing right now? Or what is sort of the, state of the state, if you will, of the, um, you know, the investment community when it comes to cannabis and hemp and, you know, even psychedelics. Well, um, I can tell you where we're focused. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll make, I'll make a couple of statements. So I think that there is a seed and early growth gap. So what do I mean by that? I think that if you go back and look at the funds that were created 2000 vintage 2015-16, um, the successful ones went on to raise growth capital funds, Merida, Entourage Effect, Tuatara, and others. And then there were a lot of other ones that had less success and sort of became zombie funds and go on to raise a successor. So I think you're seeing a lot of capital that's transitioned up to growth and then less that are staying in that seed early growth stage. So there's, you know, there, there's seven or eight, I think. We co-invest with a lot of them, but I think there's a gap. I think there's less capital chasing a good number of, of pretty good deals, which is sort of a good because it's a buyer's market. Yeah. But I think that that's a dynamic that I think uh, bodes well for us in putting together you know, uh, uh, an investment strategy around seed and early growth. That's, that's a first meta kind of comment, I would sure. say, sort of industry-wide. As far as what's exciting us, what we're looking at, yeah. I think a big one is industrial hemp. And I got to tell you, we're not experts yet, but we're looking deeply in it. It's, it's impact uh, to ESG, to society, to traditional industries is enormous. It's amazingly disruptive. It's super, super, super important. There's a whole mission-driven component about that and sort of how you can get indigenous farmers, um, you know, back in the business with a better crop. So that's important to us. 
so many benefits. I mean, so just it's, it's, yeah, we said the biggest no brainer in the history of no brainers before that's, that's gotta be hemp, you know, and it's just, uh, it's really early, right? It's really early. Yeah. Outside of hemp in cannabis, you know, we're focused on defensible positions within the supply chain. Give you two sort of quick examples. We're an investor in abstract labs, mm-hmm. which creates terpene profiles to augment flower when it's grown to sort of afford consistency. Um, they're doing great. You know, we don't have to bet on a brand in that case because they're supplying many of the brands as a downstream supplier. So that's a defensible position in the supply chain. Sure. Same source, which provides nano emulsified CBD, which goes into beverage and edibles. So we don't have to pick which beverage or edible will win. That doesn't mean we're brand adverse. It's mm-hmm. hard to pick a brand. If, you know, if this were 1915 and I was looking at Coca-Cola and Royal Crown Cola, I'm not sure I'd have the capability to figure out which one would be the winner. So it's hard. We, yeah. We've invested in some brands we would do, but we, we like defensible positions in the supply chain. We like dual and single state operators that are building great operations and good brands within, within their operations that we think will get rolled up. We like the evolution of medical cannabis as it sort of reinstantiates itself and evolves, you know, sort of that space between pharma and adult rec, that wellness space. We love the emergence of the Northeast as the new land of consumption, you know, high density population. Big market. Big market. You've got got branding sensibility from Madison Avenue. You've got finance from Wall Street. You've got high density of users and buyers and a strong legacy market. And it seems like they want to roll it out right. You know, like some states have have been really clunky and, you know, other states seem to have done, you know, a a pretty good rollout. I feel like New York is trying to do this the right way. Now, I don't want to jinx them or anything like that, like talking to a pitcher in the middle of a no hitter. But, you know, they, they are trying to look at things like social equity and, you know, kind of trying to do it the right way. So, you know, kudos, kudos to them. All indications are that you're right, but you know they did have the benefit of learning from many states before them, right? So yeah. you would expect them to be better at it. Yes. But once we see the final RFPs, we'll, we'll know better. Um, but I, I, I share your belief there. I do think they're going to do it right or much righter yeah. than the professors. So that's kind of what we see. That's what we're focused on. But we're also reserved some amount of our capital to be opportunistic. Mm-hmm. Um, but right now, and you know, it, it changes, you know, many funds start with an investing thesis that lives throughout the investment horizon, which is usually four to five years. It's a little harder to do it in this industry. So we, we've sort of evolved a little bit. Um, but, but we, you know, this day, March 4th, 2022, that's what we're focused on. Wow. Yeah. Oh, it's just, there's just so much and there's so many different areas and there's so much that's happening so quickly. Uh, you're, you're getting me excited, you know, thinking about investments. Hopefully that's what our audience is getting to, because there is a lot of different places people can, you know, uh, uh, invest right now. And I've always been a believer of investing in things that you believe in personally, you know, stuff that aligns with you, um, is, uh, you mentioned, uh, SDGs. With uh, with hemp and stuff like that is impact investing. You know, is that is that something that you think uh, you know has value not only from a you know feels good standpoint, but you know good returns and and is that something that is um, 
uh, uh, possible in the, the cannabis and hemp space? So, you know, the category of impact investing extends past industrial hemp and even cannabis, obviously environmental, um, all those kinds of things, even support of, you know, small businesses being able to see it's all sort of part of impact investing. Yeah. Um, certainly um, third world regions, less, you know, all, all that's part of it. So I don't know that we're that meta category, but certainly industrial hemp and to a large extent cannabis would fall under impact investing. So we are participating in impact that way. We're not necessarily an impact fund because sure. we're now we're right. But it's a big part. It, you know, again, like I said earlier, one of the things that really attracted me to this industry was the social mission and how it is good for society across a number of different measures. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I just I think that's I think that's really important. And I think it's gonna attract a lot of a lot of people in this industry, especially as <clears throat> you know, we get closer to to legalization. How far do you think, if you just had to guess, you know, with your crystal ball, what do you think for nationally we got it? Do you, do you think it'll be the next administration or do you think this one will find the, uh, the stomach or the, <laughs> the time to do it? Well, me and everybody in the industry has never been right. Yeah. <laughs> um, I did think it would be this administration regardless of who is in office, mm-hmm. once the Senate and uh, and the House uh, went blue, I quickly understood, as the broader public market understood, that that was not going to happen. That there were too many other things that the current administration and Congress had to focus on. That's why I think initially all the air went out of the public markets. Um, so. Uh, yeah, I would tell you 100% the next administration and the beginning of it. Um, I just think there's too much momentum. You know, I, I actually wrote a blog post a while back called The Pace of Social Change. And what it talked about was, if you look at the history of every big social change initiative, whether it was the suffrage, suffrage movement, whether it was um, gay marriage, whether it was abortion, it was always around the time that two thirds of states adopted that program that federal legislation was soon to follow. Uh, well past that. Yeah. Necessarily on the adult side, but certainly in cannabis programs more broadly with probably 78% of states. Um, so we're behind. Yeah. I do think with each passing year and each new state that comes on that has a good experience where organized crime doesn't play, where teen usage doesn't skyrocket, where tax revenues start to materialize. Big. And those who are against it see that it's not the end of the world. I, I think it's going to happen. So I would have told you that it's a three-year horizon a year ago. Mm-hmm. I'll say it's a three to four-year horizon now. Um, but I think increasingly we're getting there. I yeah. really, I really, I really feel like I have. I really feel like there's greater evidence now than there was even two years ago that we're going to get there. Uh, logically, I agree with you. And then, unfortunately, when it comes to our government, logic doesn't always uh, doesn't apply. I, I think it has a lot to do with the person in the office. I don't think Trump wanted anything to do with cannabis. I think that some of the statements that we heard was that he thought it was, 
you know, it was just, it was dumb. He's just not a fan of it. And he, he was not interested in it at all. And I think that also kind of <laughs> translates to Biden. I don't think he has any love at all. I think he begrudgingly sort of came into the, uh, the campaign, you know, talking about legal, uh, uh, decriminalizing and letting people out of jail. I think that that was just kind of part of the platform. I just don't think that he's really got any, interest in seeing this happen on his watch. And you're right. There's a lot of priorities out there, but it was one of his campaign promises. And, you know, uh, it would, it would be cool if he would, but I agree with you. I think that it's probably something that will be the next administration and it'll be somebody in the top seat that is actually, you know, kind of for it or understands all the different benefits associated and is not so, uh, stigmatized. Irrespective of there being distractions, Biden is no friend to the industry. No, he's not. At all. No, it's it's disappointing. He's not. And uh, so I think you're right. I think the odds are, like you said, the next person in there, whoever they are from whatever party, I have a feeling that they're on their watch, they'll get the credit for it. And, you know, it'll be a, it'll be a good thing. Just like some of those other great changes you talked about, you know, uh, uh, big, big progressive movements and legalizing cannabis is, I think, progress. So, um, well, this is great, man. I, I, we've really enjoyed talking with you. Um, can you let the audience know, you know, sort of where they can get a hold of you or, you know, what's a good, uh, uh, you know, should they go to the website, sign up, follow you on social? Here's where you can do your, uh, your shout outs right now. <laughs> sure. Follow me on social, um, Facebook and Instagram. I don't tweet as much as I'd like to. But if you want information on the ArcView Group, our site is arcviewgroup.com. From that landing page, you can get access to ventures, you get access to capital, you'll get access, access to consulting and read about all that we're doing. And from there, you can get access to the senior executives uh, of each of those divisions. Um, and we'd love to hear from you. And, and shameless plug, I'm not being paid to say this or anything. I've been to many ArcView events. It is a really, really sharp group of people. Everybody associated, they kind of bring something different to the table. So if you're looking to network with like-minded people, if you're looking to be around smart people, and if investing is your thing, the ArcView group, you can't go wrong. It is truly one of the kind of premier organizations and has been in this space you know, from the get-go. So again, congratulations to you, Jeffrey. Thank you so much for being on Cannabis Tech Talks. Um, and for those of you that are listening right now, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode, make sure you hit the like button, subscribe. And just like we were talking about earlier, follow the ArcView group on social media, follow Cannabis and Tech today, and uh, make sure you tune in next time. We'll always have some great guests here on Cannabis Tech Talks brought to you by PolyScience. Thanks so much. We'll see you uh, for the next episode. Have a good one. Talk to you later. 